Hi. Welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is Behind the Scenes, where you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. In 1836, a painter's wall-to-wall decoration transformed the North Carolina planter's parlor into an elegant sitting room. As decades passed, the painting dulled under layers of grime, soot, varnish, and overpaint. Painting conservator Shelley Svoboda is with us today to talk about efforts to reveal the original face of the Carolina Room. The Carolina Room was uh, part of a planter's house that was originally in south-central North Carolina, Wagram to be exact, or Scotland County. Um, it is uh, still a rural community, and uh, uh, the house no longer survives with the exception of the parts that Colonial Williamsburg has in its collection. Where can we see this now? This room is currently on view in the Abby Aldrich Rockefeller Folk Art Collection that is in the new space adjoining the Wallace Galleries. Uh, And it is uh, its own space, and it is installed as a conservation exhibition. It's currently 65% clean. Um, You can go in the room and see it uh, 65% clean, and the rest of it is still overpainted. So it's an opportunity to go in and really... Uh, compare and contrast uh, what it was before uh, we have removed these unoriginal layers and to look at the beautiful paint surfaces that uh, the artist um, Isaac M. Scott painted for us. And they're from the American fancy period. It was a time of the celebration of the, the human creative spirit and um, imagination and putting things together that would never have been together. And um, it has imitation wallpaper borders at the ceiling line and imitation wood uh, at the the dados. Um, The fireplace mantle is a a faux stone creation, as are the baseboards. So it's quite whimsical, and it is visible as it was intended by the artist um, in its uh, uh, untouched state. So it's... It's actually an example of the way things used to be done. That's correct. And uh, the house itself is believed to have been a, a smaller one-and-a-half-story home, so not a, a, a large, ostentatious home, but one that was uh, painted with these decorative interiors that uh, were quite uh, impressive, special, fancy. And when the house fell into a state of decline in the early 20th century, um, these rooms were seen to still have merit value uh, and were removed from the houses and um, uh, sold to antiques dealers um, where they passed uh, several times um, from dealer to dealer in piles of hundreds of pieces. Ultimately in the 50s it was acquired by uh, the folk art collection here, Abby Aldrich's collection. Fitting those pieces together must have taken some considerable work. Yeah, well, we know from the the black and white uh, photographs that were taken during the 1956 installation that they did struggle with it. And I imagine it would have been very difficult because the 137 or so odd vertical boards are are quite similar um, in their decorative 
decorative schemes. They have different lengths depending on whether they sat on a wainscoting or a door or a window. Um, but uh, we know from the photographs that, that one, they didn't have all the parts initially from the dealer. They were missing a couple important dados and had tried to put dados from a different paint scheme in. Um, and then uh, I believe also the mantle was not uh, in the first delivered load. And uh, there is in the file a, a set of letters that is inquiring about perhaps getting some additional pieces from the dealer. Would he check in his attics, et cetera, mm -hmm. barns? And uh, we did end up with uh, all of the dados for the room and the correct mantle. And we did retain these other dados, which give us some very interesting information about other parts of the, the house um, that don't survive in their entirety. But we also, we know that the, the 50s did a, a fabulous job getting this room together. Um, again, for something that was in hundreds of parts, it is a rare survivor uh, in that it is virtually intact structurally. Um, and they did get two boards in the wrong location uh, on the, the mantel wall. There are two uh, small boards over the windows that once the overpaint and grime was cleaned off, we could tell the swags did not match up. So we have put those back in their correct places. Uh, and now the room is as it was uh, originally in the house. How do you know what was original? We uh, spent a fair amount of time examining things closely with many different tools. Uh, once the room was deinstalled, it was brought over to the conservation labs at the Bruton Heights Center. Um, these two can be toured by the visitor. Uh, if they uh, sign up to come in and see the labs, they can see where we do some of this work. Uh, but they are set up with very specialized equipment, microscopes that help us see the surface, uh, microscopes that help us look at small samples or cross-sections that let us see the layer buildups, kind of like an archaeological dig, mm -hmm. uh, where you see the earliest original layers, then you often see grime or varnish that indicates either... Um, Grime would indicate a surface that was exposed to the climate for a while and having allowed soot and uh, grime to deposit and often varnishes are found as overpaint is often found on paint layers. And by looking with all of these tools and doing other types of tests, we are able to learn about what was original and what does not belong. Additional tests will help us uh, determine a safe way to reverse the unoriginal things. So... A great deal of your work is not with paint, it's with scientific research. It is with scientific research on paint. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's all, it's all wrapped together, and uh, we know from our cross-sections that uh, this original scheme is very thinly painted, uh, and the overpaint was very thickly painted. Uh, much of those are traditional oil paints, so we're separating oil overpaint from oil original paint, which is why so much of the uh, time resource for the conservation of the room has gone into the cleaning component. Um, a, a vertical board can take eight hours to remove the overpaint from the blue flat field section, but the fancy work at the ceiling line, the swag, can take anywhere from three days to three weeks to work on under the microscope to safely remove the thick daubs of overpaint from the very delicate colors below. You're taking up to three days 
to work on an individual board. You must have the patience of a saint. <laughs> well, I also have a team of very dedicated folks that have been working alongside okay, me they for years. And they the do. And we all do. I think that's a component that you find uh, in our building of specialists over here. We, we do have a keen interest in uh, the integrity of the original, first of all, and then a curiosity about the materials that go into both the original and historic um, restoration activities. And then we also have to have a, a knowledge of chemistry that helps us understand the new materials that we choose to consolidate the originals with. They have to be different types of chemistry so that in the future we can reverse it if we so decide to do that. The same with a varnish layer. Um, it has to be a different chemistry. Uh, unlike the 50s where they chose oil paint to go on oil paint, we will in-paint to, to compensate some of the more major paint losses in the room uh, using a, a modern synthetic polymer that will have a chemistry very different from the original. This was done in 1836 according to what we've got. Uh, was that a common decorating style or scheme? Well, in some ways yes and in some ways no. Uh, it is common in that it is part of this American fancy period where many, many surfaces were enlivened with these creative human efforts of, of imitation wallpaper or imitation woods. Um, it is rare in that this room is actually signed by the artist Isaac M. Scott and dated August 17, 1836. So we have a, a real time capsule of information mm -hmm. that locks it together and makes it even richer. Um, it is also rare in that it is surviving in its entirety. And again, it is intact and um, represents exactly what it was originally. Many rooms of this period were stenciled, too, um, so it would be much more common to encounter a stenciled pattern. This room, however, is all free applied artist's paint. I mean, even though there is repetition, say, in the swag areas, each one is unique in its width. Um, so he is not measuring anything. He's free form painting these wonderful uh, imitation wallpapers that themselves imitate hanging, hanging tassels and uh, flowing flowers and uh, foliate elements. So it's a, it's a wonderfully rich thing um, and it's a rare thing in that it has no surface kind of left unembellished and again it is signed and dated. So it's, it's a very uh, rare example of this type of thing that was more common in the era. And it's now on display for people to see? It is on display, that's correct. People will be able to see the beautiful, beautiful high-key colors of the original artist's hand. The blue is just so luminous. Uh, even after working on it for years in the lab, walking in and seeing a wall installed in that lighting just brings it to life again. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. Let us know what you think about the show. Submit your feedback at history.org slash podcast. Check history.org often. We'll post more for you to download and hear. 